0: And welcome to the Auto Movie Podcast, the show that answers the question, what happens when two men watch far too much YouTube? I'm Chris Ratcliffe, with me as ever is Martin Spain, and we will be discussing all things automotive in cars, movie and TV, including in future episodes. My God, there's a proper queue coming up of stuff we've got to to get through. Well, they need to broadcast it first, so Mm. in,
1: in no particular order... Car Trek Season 4 is going to be shooting next week as we record this. Chris Harris just dropped a teaser trailer for the new series of Top Gear, which looks like great fun. Loads more larks. According to, was it Clarkson who said that the Grand Tour Scotland special is done? Yes. Which I quite love the sound of because they visited Scotland when they did that three cars that are going to be classics thing where only one of the cars was actually ever going to be a classic. Mm. Um, And they kind of whizzed around and played fast and loose with the North Coast 500 geography.
0: Although somebody did point out, I think maybe actually the Radio Times, if you look at the previous specials, both Seaman and... Was it Madagascar, the last one? Have both been released in December. So I'm really hoping we're not going to be waiting until December for uh, for Scotland. Who knows? I think it's actually out of...
1: It's, it's however long it takes to wade through all that footage and edit it and put it together and put it into Amazon's release cycle. Mm. It's totally out of, I imagine, certainly out of the presenter's hands. And... Um, Although I don't suppose that stops people constantly hassling Clarkson and co on Instagram and Twitter going, when's the next Grand Tour special coming out? As if, you know, they can just go, oh, it's coming out tomorrow. Uh, And finally, and quite excitingly for Formula One fans, Drive to Survive Season 3 is premiering on March the 19th, which is not that far away. No. Uh, And that is something to look forward to. I I guess that must be the week before the season starts.
0: So it launches just as the pre-season testing in Bahrain finishes. Right. They finish in Bahrain on the 14th. They do twelve to the 14th. Then the season opener is 28th of March for the first race. Yeah, because it was going to be Australia, and then Australia went, eh, you know what, the world's not ready for that yet. So
1: Australia is now <laughs> something like October. Um, but it's something to look forward to for F1 fans who have been starved of any real kind of news. I'm not counting launch season as news, because that's basically a bunch of teams unveiling the cars that are going to get mullered by Mercedes this year. <laughs> and I include you Red Bull for all you're like yay we we beat them in one race you won one race and got one pole position and Mercedes (laughs) won 13 races and got 15 pole positions so you know what you're going to have to try a bit harder
0: true true we also have found out that the Australian V8 Supercar Series has loaded a load of old races onto their YouTube channel I have to say I've found so much old racing content somebody pointed out to us that some of the Duke video archive has ended up on Amazon Prime, so you can watch I like, onboard nine five six footage.
1: I keep meaning to watch that. I keep meaning to to dig through because Prime is like a treasure trove of motorsport stuff, isn't it? There's loads of stuff on there mm. if you know what to search for, or if you happen to get the right recommendations.
0: Also, I can't remember what I was watching. But I got recommended a Fast and Furious spoof, which we must talk about in a future episode, because I watched five minutes of it and it was awful. It was, you know, those like date movie, not another teen movie, scary movie films. Yes. It's somebody trying to do that for Fast and the Furious on a budget of about £3.50. See, those movies are
1: absolutely ripe to have the piss taken out of them. Absolutely right. I mean, pra- they're practically doing it themselves then, say, at this point. They're unpiss um,
0: surely. Yeah, well, I think they're, they're
1: leaning that way, you know, magnet plane and all that, but... <laughs> I. It's such an easy target, but obviously you're going to need budget to do all the stunts and stuff, and you're going to need some stars, (laughs) stars in inverted commas, some (laughs) D-list actors and celebrities um, who are willing to poke fun at both themselves and you know Vin Diesel and The Rock and so on and so forth. Um, I'm surprised one of these hasn't come along earlier, but maybe that is the fact that now you just look at it and go, oh, come on, guys, we had all this thing ready to go and you're doing it now where cars just fall out of planes and runways are 20 miles long. (laughs) and all this kind of thing.
0: I still maintain that um, asphalt burning is entirely in that genre. Yeah, I... I know we covered it in the last pod. I really
1: want to watch this thing, but you haven't sent me the timestamp for me, for me to see the good stuff and not At have to rate. sit through all the cack. I, I will do that straight after this because it's yeah, I do want to. I do want to watch it. I found it quite hard to find time to kind of do auto movie pod things over the last month. You will have noticed, of course, that we, we the schedule has gone a bit wonky in 2021 <laughs> just because, you know... Grey weather lockdown has taken its toll on us all. Yeah. However, we're starting to see some shoots of spring, suns you know out a little bit more. Uh, and I've just noticed that this this will catch the Kevin Smith fans amongst us. This is episode number thirty seven.
0: <laughs> I hadn't spotted. Good, good. Uh, yes,
1: ah, uh, uh, there we go for for the Kevin Smith fans amongst
0: you. There you go, episode Which... thirty seven. Thirty seven. Although you've preempted that that won't be the last Kevin Smith mention of this episode. Well, this also,
1: I uh, just uh, happened to, in uh, in in another bit of synergy, that mention of Bathurst is not going to be the only mention of Bathurst uh, because for my video, spoiler alert, I've gone back to an all-time classic. <laughs> Excellent. Um, but there we go. Um, other, possibly more exciting news than, than episode number 37 is that Top Gear America is now out and screening every Friday on... Motor Trend On Demand. It's been a while since I've done a plug for Motor Trend On Demand, but uh, we're back again. And uh, whether they dropped two episodes in a row, and then they've been going every Friday since? Something Uh, like that. I think so. With the aid of a VPN, because unfortunately, if you live in the UK and you have Motor Trend On Demand, you can't see these for reasons. Um, You need a VPN in order to you know, push yourself into America so that they'll let you watch it. And for those of you that would like to do such things, I will say that you need to be logged into the VPN before you sign in. And after such, you can get in and see all of the Top Gear America that you like. Short version, is great. Um, the slightly longer version is, this is an unexpected delight of a, of a little short show. All of them are about 30 minutes. They all feel very much of the motor trend in-house style of, of shooting where it's good looking, mm. uh, but the locations are sort of anonymous desert racetracks and um, you know, closed down highways and so on, at least at the moment. And that might be being damning with faint praise. It's still extraordinarily well made, mm. uh, but they don't have the budget of a Top Gear or a Grand Tour to shoot everything Uh, with cinematic intensity, Um, it's still great, but it it feels like the Motor Trend in-house style, which it probably is. It's probably that crew doing it. But the content, it starts off a little kind of, huh? Um, As they start an episode with three supercars. um, I did enjoy, there's a moment where... um, one of the presenters said, so I was thinking about the Porsche 911 today. Well, you know what? I think about the Porsche 911 every day. And I thought, <laughs> yep, that's me. I feel seen. Um, so the presenters are Dax Shepherd, Rob Caudry, and the UK's own Jethro Bovington, who I think is... Still quite surprised that he's included in the presenting trio for this show. <laughs> I just generally get the impression he's still like, I can't believe this is happening and that I'm doing this thing, but it's great fun. Mm. And he's right. It is. It's great fun. They've got a really good chemistry. Dax is a great anchor for the show. He's the lead guy in terms of introducing the show and and presenting features. It's quite um, an alpha personality, isn't he? He is. Uh, but And his driving is... Far better than I expected. I'm I i did not know a great deal about Dax Shepherd, and I didn't realise he was A, such of a petrol head, and B, he's pretty bloody handy. The last mm. episode sees him sliding some giant American boat of a car <laughs> with full-on commitment. It's it's very, very impressive. So I've thoroughly enjoyed kind of learning about his particular, you know, likes and dislikes as far as cars go. And One of the things that makes Top Gear work in all of its countries and all of its formats is the fact that presenters all love cars, but they all love different cars. Mm. They all have different specialties. They all have different, um, you know, little corners of the petrolhead world that they love. And having grown up reading and latterly watching Jethro on YouTube and reading in the pages of Evo and so on, we kind of know where his tastes lie. But I had no idea about Dax. Dax never fails to say that he was born and raised in Detroit. <laughs> so he's got a love of Detroit muscle, American cars and you know, classics and so on. Um I get a bit more of a sort of four by four E camper vibe from Rob Caudry, mm. um, with a side order of nine eleven, and of course Jethro is all about the Euros, the BMWs the Porsches, the Mercedes and so on. It's a really good presenter mix. And I think particularly Jethro and Dax have a a fun little friendly rivalry going on when it comes to to lap times. Rob is is significantly slower than both of them (laughs) and more risk averse. Dax is very brave, very, very
0: brave when it comes to to his driving. I've got to say... Having sat next to Jethro for a couple of laps of a wet uh, Bedford Autodrome, he has he has that knack of just being able to rotate a car and measure just the right amount of oversteer. All of that uh, sickening talent. Whereas you watch Dax oversteering, and he looks like he's hanging on to it a bit more.
1: Yes, he does. He he's he's got it, but there's less. Um, he's less on top of the car. He's he's kind of right there with it rather than ahead of it. And Mm. I guess that's just, he's probably not had the hours, days, months of practice sliding cars for cameras that Jethro's had, you know, but... As a show, I think it works. 30 minutes or around thereabouts for an episode gives them a chance to have an A story and then a B story kind of review going on in, mm-hmm. in between. Um, there's no studio stuff. There are some Stig laps, which is kind of weird. I think he's lapping one of the many variations of, of um, Willow Springs Raceway. They have a, a lap board, but there's no studio. There's no studio audience. It's very much led by the three-car challenges. Yes. kind of format it's which i think they took from old top gear usa which i was a big fan of as well with tanner faust rutledge wood and adam ferrara they very quickly settled on the fact that three car challenges especially with some modification works really well for a u.s audience so i think this is a big fat thumbs up from me i've i've pinged over a couple of messages to jethro on twitter to say I think it's a big success, I think. And it gets better as you go along. The episode they did with SUVs in the snow, I laughed from start to finish because everything went wrong. Absolutely everything went wrong and it was funny as hell um, and I'm told that the producers making the show got really worried and they didn't think it, you know because everything went wrong and they weren't able to lap these SUVs in the snow because the snow was melting <laughs> and they got stuck up to the axles uh, and everybody was freaking out but actually it turned out to be really really funny TV and it is really really funny so if you have a Motor Trend subscription just get yourself a VPN you can get stuff like Nord VPN or Express VPN and there are offers and vouchers out there to let you have a really cheap access to this kind of thing um, and if you do don't i think yeah it depends on whether or not you're a big top gear in general fan or if you're wedded to the three amigos i would say motor Train on demand is worth subscribing to anyway because there's so many other good things on there yeah. and the fact that you get top gear america is a kind of a bonus and i imagine it's going to come to the uk at some point soon but for me certainly i think it's a big thumbs up and it's something to look forward to on a friday morning because you know, lockdown and you know, <laughs> TV, is, TV is what makes us happy. Honestly, Fridays are Top Gear America in the morning before work and then WandaVision in the evening.
0: <laughs> the one thing that really struck me about it, and I'm only three episodes in at the moment, is that one, I actually wanted it to be longer because by the time you've done the challenge and a review, I actually want more. I want there to be a bit more, interaction of between the three of them. And I think the chemistry between the three of them is really, really good. It's also really this is going to sound quite possibly quite weird, but it's all very friendly. It's all very happy. It's all very inclusive. They're not taking the piss. They're, 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 they're just enjoying doing what they're doing all together. And I think that really comes across. And I think especially it it shows a side of Jethro that hasn't necessarily been seen a lot of the time as well because a lot of what he does is single presenter films for one reason or another i don't
1: know about he's i I really enjoyed his stuff for motor trend when he was working with johnny lieberman and you did get that little back and forth um Mm. kind of friendly needle which is exactly what you get here it's it's not the somewhat pointed slightly meaner spirited stuff that the three amigos can get into because they've got 20 years of working next to one another and they can Mm. piss one another off and so on this is just friendly banter i hate that word but it's the right it's the right word for this kind of thing yeah Um, but it's it is true you haven't really seen this kind of jethro presenting and it's it's great you know we've we've watched him kind of Start out in the Drivers Republic weird awkward video days, and through to <laughs> doing stuff for Car Magazine and Evo and so on. And he's such a comfortable and relatable on-screen presence now that mm. you know he could anchor this show. But it's Dax's, it's Dax's show, and the other two are side by you know, either side of him. Mm. I think in the in the promo art uh, artwork and the way they intro the show, and that works because much like Matt LeBlanc with top gear uk for the three four seasons (laughs) it ran with matt leblanc he's an actor and he can read pieces to camera in a way that almost none of the car journalists can do with the same ease and confidence and have Mm. it just flow off the tongue um you know top gear did some great features with matt leblanc where they could lean into the fact that he was an actor and he could deliver a somewhat more silly scripted setup Yeah. Now, they're not doing this, but you can tell that that Dax has spent his life in front of the camera. It's his job. And, you know, reading, reciting scripts or, you know, doing intros for things, it just comes so
0: naturally in a way that possibly other presenters don't have. One thing, because I am sad and I do this sort of thing, I looked through some of the credits and there isn't (laughs) actually a... It's a duck just walked in. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just undoing the bottle of whiskey.
1: Because, um, you know, that's what you do on a family show. You just get drunk while you're recording it.
0: <laughs> this is how uh, this is the production this is Magic ASMR, Kids.
1: right? You can hear it glugging into the glass.
0: Leah, <laughs> uh, looking through the credits, because that's what I do, it was quite interesting picking out some of the names. So, particularly on the first episode, there was no script editor. So, I guess, since Dax is a writer, Jethro's a writer, I'm guessing Rob might be. I don't Common, if, comedians are generally pretty good at writing. Yeah. so If they're funny. Well, indeed. So I don't know if they're writing their own pieces and they just don't have a script editor or if they're uncredited. But also, Jeff Glucker was on there, who's the founder, co-founder of Hooniverse. There was um, also one of the, I think, producers from Grand Tour was a consulting producer, I think, as well. And you could go through and just pick out quite a few people that had kind of brought in and said, tell us how to do this. Tell us what we should be doing.
1: There's a definite evolution of the show. And I can remember, again, I think maybe I got in touch with Jethro um, to just ask him about the show. And he said, yeah, it it starts a little slowly, but the, <laughs> the shows, as they progress, which I presume is, you know, as they filmed them and became more comfortable with one another on camera they were able to do more, have more fun, take the Mick more. And mm. as you watch them, there is there is that progression as they become more loose and more comfortable with one another, you know, taking the Mickey and all that. Um, like I said, the SUV episode, which I think is episode four, you've got that one to watch yep. next, is a gem. It's really funny because everything goes wrong. And so <laughs> they start laughing and you can't help but laugh along with them. It's just excellent. So we've 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 wanged on about this well, for quite a long time. You may have noticed there isn't a lot of other news.
0: <laughs> so we've just filled two things that I would just add just before we wrap up. First of all, if you haven't already, have a listen to the Armchair Expert podcast, which is Dax's podcast, where he actually has an episode with himself, Rob, and Jethro, and they talk about how it all came together and It it kind of shows a bit more, again, of that sort of chemistry between the three of them. It's well worth a listen. It's about a two-hour episode. I think the chat only goes on for, like, the first hour, so you're not committing yourself too heavily. I do want to listen to that, I must admit... I'm struggling to fit in all the podcasts
1: oh, given 10, that I don't yeah. have a commute at the moment yeah. or anything like that. It's you know the, the time spent listening to podcasts is severely restricted. Mm. And I appreciate that you know we're making a podcast that I suspect lots of people have got backed up in their <laughs> podcast players as well. So, you know, hey, lockdown, hi. coronavirus all that stuff, but yeah. Yeah, maybe there's a little light at the end of the tunnel. I will give that one a go because I am interested and you tend to get some really good insights when people pop up on other people's podcasts. Ooh. Matt Farah is pretty good with that um whenever Jethro has been on matt farris
0: podcast it's been interesting one other thing talking about evolution motor trend in the u.s has the rights to the full back catalogue of top gear now we've talked about old top gear um as well we don't call it because we can remember the chris Coffey days but anyway so the original you know clarks and hammond and doors <clears throat> may top gear they have season one in their archive so you can go back and you can watch the very, very earliest episodes of Top Gear. And I have to say, going back and watching it again, some of it is is—it's really weird to start with. It's like the fastest faith, which is the fastest emergency vehicle? You can see that they were throwing ideas at the wall to see what would stick. <laughs> and
1: those early shows are absolutely perfect chock-a-block with stuff that and in later seasons they would extend out and do fewer things for longer um but those early shows i know what you mean because i went back and watched a few i went to season four which is the first season for me that uh, season four season five are the the first seasons where they start to find that rhythm season four's got the the first race which Mm -hmm. is the aston martin db9 to monaco to the, the Hotel de Paris in Monaco and Hammond and May are on the TGV. Mm. And I mean, it's probably less than 10 minutes. They really don't stretch it out all that much and and you know, as they go and do more of them. But yes, the very, very early shows have very strange things like, can you run a car on poo? Which and and I watched this series, (laughs) I watched this series live on as it came. I remember being so excited about the fact that Top Gear was coming back and it was going to be an hour long. Mm. And that first series was shaky (laughs) as they found their feet. And then the second series, when they got rid of Jason Dawes, who was a very nice man but not fit, not suited to TV in that way, Mm. and brought in James May, who was very much suited to to TV and got on very well with them, they were still finding their feet. And I seem to remember. It took, takes a while for them to do a piece where all three of them are on camera. Mm. I think it's the cheap Porsche challenge. But yes, if you do have, if you do decide to get Motor Trend or you have it already, you can go back and watch some of those early episodes we've done our thing on the you know what are the what are our favorite episodes or what are the best episodes to watch to someone who's new to top gear but there's some great stuff in the early episodes like i said that db9 race the 612 Scaglietti race where they raced to Verbier. i watched that one a lot oh yes i really want a 612 scalietti in the way that i want <laughs> all early
0: 2000s v12 gt cars now also if you do have motor trend i've said this before i will say it again watch uh the pipe pete documentary is it life on the edge race on the edge the one that i have that tab open
1: for me to watch them uh, on the edge on the edge i haven't watched it yet i meant to i wasn't we were meant to record this yesterday and i wasn't feeling very well um but i got sidetracked by old top here and <laughs> didn't watch this thing so I... I will because this is done by is it tangent vector or is it just J, um, jf that's directing it
0: uh no i think it's tangent vector because both jf and matt Hardegree are producers i think exec producers so it's going to
1: look great. It's going to be really well put yep. together by enthusiasts who know what they're talking about.
0: And it is on the European most trend, so you don't have to have a VPN to watch it. And it does that thing. It passes our auto movie test that I've watched it. I'm now on nearly sort of halfway through episode three. It has John Hindoff in it as well, which anything that has racing should have him commentating. I, I You watch it and you kind of go, blimey, that, they are insane for doing that. And I'm now three episodes in going, I kind of want to do it. I kind of want (laughs) This is your obsession with wanting to compete in things. Whereas (laughs) I'm
1: like, I wanna go there and see it. Do I wanna compete in it? fuck no <laughs> have you seen the falls off of the side of that mountain do you think i have the skills to cope with those corners no no i don't especially not at that altitude what i want to do is go there and have like some german sausage and some bit burger and some currywurst and you know just you know You've chips been- with curry sauce on basically i want it to be the n24 but in wherever colorado. it is colorado yeah that's it n24 in colorado that's what i want
0: i'm not not halfway up a mountain that's freezing cold overnight and you get some no, no no, no. i way. want them to
1: transplant all the mad germans from the forest to the <laughs> side of the road in colorado i know that's not possible but yeah that would be fantastic <laughs> sidebar if you've never been to the nürburgring 24 oh my god go and do it bucket list stuff It oh. is the best event the best endurance event bar none anyway we're being very very silly let's let's move on to today's reviews
0: before we get sidetracked down stuff that's not really our forte <laughs> So I came up with the idea for this episode, and I will explain why. So in my notes, I've got Dax Shepard double bill. And I have to say, probably about three years ago, I'd never heard of Dax Shepard. And I suspect he could probably walk through many places in Britain and nobody would give him a second look because his Instagram handle brilliantly is Mr. Kristen Bell, because he's married to Kristen Bell of Frozen and Veronica Mars and all that sort of thing. But he's a writer, he's a director, he's an actor, I think he's been a comedian, he's done the Lamborghini Super Trofeo um, One Mate Cup Thing Race series, which is an instant thumbs up in my book. So what we've got... Oh, and he did a lip-sync video video for um, Africa by Toto, which brings me joy for reasons i don't completely understand anyway because it's a great song it is but it's their video as well it's like him and kristen went on a vacation before they have kids and oh just, i've seen
1: that yeah, yeah i've seen that speaking of lip sync stuff and uh, top gear america before we move on to this um <laughs> if you haven't seen hot tub time machine which features top gear america's rob Corddry, you need to especially if you grew up in the 80s and you know who motley Crue are <laughs> i haven't i will so, it, you need to watch the video for Home Sweet Home by Motley Crew, and then you need to watch Hot Tub Time Machine, including the end credits. <laughs> Sidebar. You should watch Hot Tub Time Machine because it's really funny.
0: And stupid <laughs> and funny. Speaking of things that are stupid and funny. So, both of the films that we are reviewing today are written by, or co-written by, directed and starring Dak Shepard, who, as we've already said, is an unashamed petrol head... He has a corvette tattoo just at the top of his back he will talk about his childhood delivering corvettes or whatever it was for gm at every opportunity as marty said earlier and i am going to talk about his first film which is hit and run and i'm pausing slightly because amazon prime for some reason in the uk have it listed twice with two different years but it's 2012. This is a low-budget, independent film which stars Dak Shepard as Charlie Bronson, Kristen Bell as his girlfriend, who was at the time his girlfriend, Annie, and she gets offered a job. She has to go for an interview in L.A. They live in Cousin Fuck, Idaho or somewhere, indistinct and remote. He's in the witness protection programme. He decides he's going to bail out and take her to this interview in L.A., To do that, he opens the garage door and he pulls out this Lincoln, which apparently was actually his car. And it's this beautiful, black, perfectly finished V8, you know, that kind of classic, modified American muscle with just the right noise and everything. He runs away from the US Marshal who's protecting him in the Witness Protection Programme. We will... I'm guessing a lot of people haven't seen this or Chips that we will discuss in a minute, so I'm going to be quite spoiler-free here, so you can... If you want to watch these, you can watch it and enjoy it. He goes off to LA, going back to the area where whatever put him in the Witness Protection Programme is over there. And in doing so, his past catches up with him, her past catches up with her, stuff happens, and... It is a really, really fun road trip movie, really, for want of better description, but it's really hard to talk about these things and not spoil them. At the heart of it is Dax and Kristen and their relationship. So as you watch it, you don't know why he's in witness protection. She knows that he is, has asked him nothing about it. And as the film plays out, you learn along with Annie what happened, what his involvement with something was, why he was in this programme. People that from her past are crossed. They want to get back at him. They start dragging up his past, people that he was involved with. And through the course of this, you essentially have a storyline of... What happens when you learn about the past of your partner? How do you cope with it? How do you reconcile it? What do you do about it? It reminded me a lot when I was thinking about it of Kevin Smith's Chasing Amy, which is a story fundamentally about what happens when you learn about your partner's history and how do you you deal with it? I think it is really touching in places. I think it's it's largely funny. I think some of the comedy misses slightly. It was a low-budget film. Apparently, the budget was $2 million. They spent a million dollars of that clearing music rights. Any film that has Aerosmith's sweet emotion in it is worth the money when it comes to music clearance. And because him and Kristen basically opened up their book of friends, you've got... Tom Arnold as the US Marshal, playing a character not dissimilar to the motorcyclist in Gumball Rally is slightly the kind of the comic relief. You've got his sort of foe in this is played by uh, Bradley Cooper, who plays quite an odd character, but really, really well. There's lots of little cameos. So you've got Jason Bateman's in there. You've got that guy from Anchorman, who um, Chip Chip kind. You you watch it and go, oh, it's that guy from Anchorman. Um, you've also got the guy who played uh, Dick Casablanca in Veronica Mars, who whose name escaped me, and also pops up in Chips as well. And you've got this quite amazing cast driving quite interesting cars i think the cars element to it is is integrated really well dax does his own driving and it shows they make no um make no secret they don't try and hide the fact he's driving or that it's it's a double and the cars are like i say they're interesting they fit the characters really well obviously somebody who knows their cars has has written it and has come up with the right cars for the people and looking through at the very bottom of the credits there's like a commercial um what's the word not commercial appreciation but you know like a consideration and it's like dodge oakley cadillac they've quite clearly sort of gone out to people and said we're making a film come lend us stuff so that we can put it in a movie <laughs> Um, and that's how they've done it for a million dollars looking through the credits my god you know Clerks I mean I know Clerks is an extreme example where it shot for like Threepence halfpenny, and it was like five people and somebody's mate that that did it how they did all of this for a million dollars if that's right I, I have no idea I would genuinely love to talk to Dax about this we're perhaps a little below his radar but As a film, it always keeps coming back to the relationship between Charlie and Annie. And it is a really, really lovely film. I think you can watch it with no interest in cars and it works as a story. It has tension, it has stakes, it has surprises. Um, Like I say, some of the jokes don't quite land right for me. Um but there's a lot of stuff that is genuinely born out of the situation. And I think one thing thinking about it and thinking about Fast and the Furious, because I think Fast and the Furious does that thing that some sci-fi does where they have a gap in the script and it's like, insert techno babble here. There's nobody going, ah, oh, that's a 76 Lincoln Continental with a Ford Ra- Crate Racing V8 engine. And does it have these <laughs> car? But, you know, it it doesn't have that. The cars just are. And if you know it, you'll appreciate it. There's a scene where a car gets stolen and the process, if you know about car security, I was going to say stealing cars, that sounds completely wrong. (laughs) It's the right process. But again, it's not really highlighted. It's not really played up as like, look, I'm doing something clever. It's played the right way emotionally, which is I'm doing something which I know is bad and I don't like the fact that I'm having to do it and here's how I did it but we have to we have to do it in order to not be killed so yeah Hit and Run it, it's a film that, that's surprisingly stuck with me I think I texted you about 15 minutes in going I'm really enjoying this it's very much a Dax movie in as much as if you listen to Armchair Expert his manner his way of looking at things and talking about things is very emotional. It's very... Deep's the wrong word, but he has a certain way of, of looking at things and phrasing things and expressing things which comes through absolutely through this film. It's written... His character is written very much in his voice. But I think that a lot of the other characters are, you know, well-rounded and they're fully formed and I think Bradley Cooper when you look at him at first, you have a certain idea of his character and he really plays it in a way that I wasn't expecting but lends real menace to what that character is about. And I think that is a combination of, of good direction, of good writing and of of, of Bradley's talents as well. Um, I would say this is so far a real surprise and is one of my highlights of this year. I think it's a film I'll go back and watch again. It is on Amazon Prime in the UK for free, if you're an Amazon Prime customer. Um, And yeah, it's something that people can watch. If you like a story with an emotional heart, with proper... I was going to say proper acting, but proper just emotion and commitment and a story... At the very heart of it, which stands up to what could have been quite a blokey film for, you know, there are criminals and there are cars and there are things happening, but it manages to rise above it. I hugely enjoyed it. I would love it if you're listening to this, if that sounds like your sort of thing, go and check it out. Tell us what you think. Have I completely missed the boat on this or is this a real... Hidden gem of a film. Watch it. Let us know.
1: I don't think it matters if you if you've missed the, the mark or or not. I spent twenty years defending Driven until I watched it again. and went, oh, <laughs> hang on,
0: no, this is shit. Not good. I watched Sorry. I watched Dude Wears My Car at the cinema, and <laughs> it was so bad I thought I was wrong. And I bought it on DVD to watch it again to understand why I didn't get the jokes the first time round having then found out that it's awful and that so the they got pop- your money twice it's still they rubbish did. <laughs> they did they did <And laughs> it's a film that i loathe with a passion because it's only sort of it's just mediocre at best but it took my money twice and made me feel like an idiot
1: well i don't think i can lead into chips with the same enthusiasm <laughs> that you've shown for hit and run <laughs> because i'm kind of coming through this backwards i i Again, I don't know Dak Shepard particularly well at all. I knew that he was an actor and I knew that he was a comedian. And yes, I knew him as the husband of Kristen Bell. And I knew that he was going to be fronting Top Gear America. And then I watched Chips on Chris's Suggestion. This is a remake of the 80s TV show? Yep. 80s TV show, which is about the um, California Highway Patrol. It's dudes on bikes chasing down crims pretty much. Uh, and this was made in 2017. It's again written and directed by Dax Shepard, which perhaps doesn't reflect so well on him as Hit and Run does. This is, it It feels like at least two movies have been munged together. This feels like a, a kind of A bit of the American Pie style of raunch humour with a bit of the 21 Jump Street style modern remake um, with a nodding, knowing wink to the classic. Um, And then just your stock buddy cop comedy. But it can't really decide which of the three it wants to be at any one time. And so it jumps from one to the other. And there will be scenes where there's, you know, uh, uh, again, you know, uh, quite expensive, I imagine, to license rock and roll soundtrack uh, to a comedy scene. And then it will suddenly cut to somebody having like limbs chopped off and you see it. Or Mm. there will be, you know, nudity for no great real reason other than the fact that they presumably have license to make an R-rated movie. Or in this case, I guess it's a 15 in the UK. Um, And it, it does kind of swing between those different formats without ever really gelling into a coherent whole. It's it starts with you know Michael Pena, who is Frank Ponch uh, working for the California Highway Patrol. He is an FBI agent who is undercover. Um, he's partnered up with. John Baker, who's Dax's character, who's a former motorbike champion um, who's hoping that joining the CHP is going to impress his estranged wife, played once again by Kristen Bell. In maximum bitch mode, you can see that they're both having an absolute (laughs) ball. He's clearly, you know, directed her to go with the full on overly tanned, busty, brassy blonde wife or ex-wife character, there's a little too much leaning on the easy homophobia jokes and what's meant to be sort of back-and-forth buddy banter. And it just doesn't quite land for me with, you know, things about, you know, toilet humour and and masturbation and stuff. And it's not quite done in the way that you want, which is either an offhand gag or excruciatingly awkward that makes you want to... Come on, get. Um, and then, and a bit more, which is the way that 21 Jump Street often played these kind of gags. It's just, it just falls a little flat there. But Michael Pena is always watchable uh, and he's 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 not playing the kind of nerdy geek or, or, or motor mouth character here. Here he's pretty much the hero and he's, he's a, a ladies man and a really good undercover FBI agent and the only thing it turns out he's not good at is riding a bike which is a little <laughs> unfortunate because this movie is a lot about riding bikes and again I think that Dax did an awful lot of his own stunts because there's a sort of gyro stabilised camera shots of him on the bike riding over terrain riding down you know uh, along the freeways riding downstairs um it's the same kind of camera tech that i think they use for MotoGP. gp so you can see lean angle from for the, the bikers racing and you see the same thing here that stuff works gangbusters and again you can see dax's petrol head coming out where there's a car chase i think featuring corvettes <laughs> yes cheffy products certainly um and they're again very dynamic quite inventive It's not quite on the level of the the kind of the Edgar Wrights or the David Mm. Leeches of this world. You know, I feel like a combination of. The the car chases and brutality in John Wick and the inventiveness and joyousness of the car chases in Baby Driver have basically moved the game on. So if you're not operating in the Fast and Furious squillion dollar budget stupidness of Magnet Planes, <laughs> you've basically got to be on the level of Edgar Wright and David Leitch with if you want to if you want to do brilliant modern cinema car chases. Now this is done in 2017, so perhaps it can be forgiven for being a little dated, it's still exciting. The car chases and the action sequences are still exciting. Mm. It's the back and forth buddy comedy. It's clear that there's a rapport between Pena and um, Dax, and that does work, but it just needed... I felt like the script needed an outside hand to come in and and make it all gel together, because there's just a lot of ideas and like i said it just can't quite settle on what it wants to be does it want to be 21 jump street style riffing on the old version whilst being exactly the same but brought up to date does it just want to be a buddy cop movie my take on the whole thing is i feel like it does want to be it it should be a buddy cop movie mm. the plot is absolute nonsense they give away the bad guy like within the first 15 minutes you know who he is so there's no drama or suspense you're just like oh it's that guy And it's, and I'm not spoiling anything. I'm not saying who it is, but they present it to you right up front. So there's no, there's no drama in that. It just becomes, okay, well, how do they get to the point where they figure out it's him? Um, And inevitably, you know, there's a double cross or there's someone in undercover who's dirty in the department. And there's some trying to make that, you know, dramatic, but it just, it doesn't quite land for me. I enjoyed some of this. It can be quite funny in a sort of stupid, lunk-headed way. I really enjoyed all the, the 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 chase scenes, the the motorcycle jumping. It's always fun seeing that. There is a little bit of sort of knowledge dropping in terms of the bikes, where they'll suddenly go, "It's a Ducati," and I'll go, "Uh huh." <laughs> and there's a moment where I'm pretty sure Dax was not riding when they're doing huge turn down whips off of jumps <laughs> on street bikes, which looks amazing. Always does. Um, I think if you're going to watch a Dax Shepard movie about cars, it sounds like you want hit and run. Chips, I think, is a deeper cut. If you are already drunk... And you're you know, you've got a few more drinks to get through, jump on this. And I don't mean to sound down on it because it is fun. And getting, you know, getting a movie made at all in the modern era is next to impossible. And this feels like it just it was a little undercooked. Whether that's because, you know, Dax didn't have the budget that he wanted or didn't have the time that he wanted, who knows? But this this felt like it could have been maybe hold on, let's go back and just get the script nailed and then come back to it. But like I say, you know, if you are a few beers
0: in, it's probably worth a watch, at least once. I think that's I think that's that's pretty fair. I I enjoyed it. I think they, they felt like there were a few too many moments, like the Ducati thing, where Dax's character whose name I've now already forgotten John Baker. John Baker. A forgettable name. Yeah, particularly since the other guy is called Frankie
1: Francis Ponch Poncharello, and this guy's just called John. <laughs> well, yeah, but... He- but then that, that comes from the TV show. Never saw the TV show. I cert—I I do know that this was pretty critically panned when it came out. I remember reading the original review in Empire Magazine, uh, and it got two stars, but the review felt like the reviewer wanted to give it one star. It doesn't have a particularly <laughs> great rating on Rotten Tomatoes. It was uh, budgeted at $25 million, and it made $26.8 million. <laughs> so not a financial success although it may well have a second life on on rental and a long tail on cable tv in the way that these things do so costs will be recouped somehow mm. um but yeah it's got an amazing cast like you said there's a there's a lot of people michael Peña and dax shepherd um rosa salazar as one of the other chp officers adam brody who i know best from um the oc the oc that one yes <laughs> I him I know him best as as the the kid from the O.C. But he's he's quite funny and the moments with with him are pretty funny. There's there's other sort of hey it's that guy's obviously Kristen Bell's in it. There's uncredited cameos from people like Maya Rudolph and Josh Duhamel and Adam Rodriguez and Eric Estrada pops up as well as a paramedic right at the very very end. He was the original Ponch in the TV series, so he's a little nod to the fans in the same way that um, Johnny Depp did in Twenty One Jump Street. <laughs> Spoil alert if you haven't seen the end of *Jungle on Jump Street. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, it's it's got a, a pretty good cast, but yeah, I just not quite found the tone, I think, that would have made it a critical
0: success. I do think that I, I the one thing that I'm glad about, I think they could have created it as its own thing, but I'm very glad they didn't go down the Starsky and Hutch route, which I think worked really, really well, but that was tongue so firmly in cheek that it was in no way a proper film. which It's it's
1: weird. With a lot of these remakes, I'd quite like to do the A-Team, which isn't strictly vehicular, but it does have a vehicle in it Yeah, at one point. And I might be um, the only person that quite likes the, the movie adaptation of the A-Team TV series. I think it's quite fun. But yeah, it, remakes are tricky. Let's not beat Mm -hmm. about the bush remakes are always tricky and i think some of the genius of 21 and 22 jump street is the fact that they had phil lord and chris miller um they of the lego movie amongst many other things who just know how to get the tone right Mm. for the comedy and the, the 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 winking nodding to the camera moments in a way that is clearly very difficult otherwise for for other people to achieve for for other just getting that pitched just right so it's not totally in your face and it's not blatant but it 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 works i mean i i think 21 and twenty jump street are just lightning in a bottle you can't recapture that and i this feels a teeny bit like they tried and they couldn't quite get there because they're, they're lightning in a, but you you can't really reproduce that mm. um and I, I feel like with a lot of things comedy is harder than it looks and requires a lot of discipline and a lot of work to make the jokes land, on the other hand, this did not feel like it was all ad lib like a lot of lazy comedy can be mm. so you know there 's that true. Shall we move on why not let's let 's move on we 're not quite going to get to what I keep referring to as the type forty five <laughs> because we've just crossed the fifty minute barrier um, possibly i 'll cut some of this down, but we are moving on a pace to
0: our YouTube picks. So what have you been watching since we last recorded? Well, the f- there's been a lot of car faction content. I think the inability to do some has has led them just to sort of gush some great videos since our last episode, including the Lotus Elise Sport 240 the last ever Elise track review. Whoever does the titles for Car Affection needs to snappy it up a bit, but I suspect there's some SEO going on. This I think is... there's an awful lot of clickbaity SEO going on there to get people <laughs> watching them. This is Henry Catchpole driving round the track at Hethel in the last of the Elise's. And I think it, it's, a, it's a great send-off, and I'm really glad that it's a normal Elise with the roof off, as Elise's should be and it absolutely makes me want to go and drive in a lease
1: which you know, it's not only that it's making me itchy to buy a lease. <laughs> i'm getting i'm getting hankering's because you know the government are going to kill all fun cars soon and we're going to be tooling around in milk floats and <laughs> fridges and stuff. Um so yes this really did make me think about I oh, I do I do very much want a lotus. As you will see from my video <laughs> later on but I really enjoyed this. I think it it does right by the Elise. It's a it's mm. a good send off. It's clear that Lotus are not going to do another Elise in the same way because they can't make enough money. So they're just going to be pitching straight in at the 911 plus. So it could be the last, you know,
0: affordable regular performance lightweight sports car. Wow. Moving on to a car I have bought recently, sort of the my 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 pick for this week's video is the amazing life-size Lego Technic version of the Bugatti Chiron. So I've just finished building a 3700 piece Lego Technic Bugatti Chiron. And it's amazing. However, Bugatti commissioned Lego to build a full-size Lego Technic Chiron that moves under its own power. And if you haven't seen it, it is... So it's 90% Lego. It's got Bugatti wheels on it because they're kind of load-bearing and there's some bits of subframe and and load-bearing members that connect them. However, the bodywork is all Lego. Using using a technique that they created, and a Lego tool to tighten it up, the the interior is all Lego. All of the motive power comes from something like three hundred of the I, can't, I don't know what the, the the name the brand name of them is, but those like Lego motors all just put together on a pallet. Um, <laughs> How does that work? you should watch the video it, it, there, there's a, a there's a few bits of um kind of think of a radical so it's like a chain drive to the rear axle I think but instead of a small repurposed motorbike engine it is several lots, hundred... lots of
1: tiny tiny Lego it batteries it is I think in a I can smell the glue and desperation now <laughs> So- I've seen this model. I think the way they've achieved the bodywork is is so clever. Mm. The way they've hooked up all those Lego parts is is exceptional. This has become a thing. I know that they did one for McLaren as well. They've done a Senna because I've seen a video of Bruno Senna showing off the Lego Senna. Um, these sort of full-size sports car builds are are becoming a thing. But the Sheeran, I think, the it,
0: it totally captures a very difficult shape. And one thing that they do with this car as well is that not only is it a full life-size thing, not only does it move under its own power, they took it to Aerolesson, the VW test track you can see from space. And which driver do you get if you are taking a high-speed car to Aerolesson? You get Andy Wallace. Yes, they got Andy Wallace to drive a Lego Chiron at Aerolesson. It didn't do like 240.3 miles an hour. I don't think it actually has brakes, judging by how he was driving it. But it but moved. But this is
1: the joy. Andy Wallace is, because he, he's now the guy that does the test driving. If you if you buy a Chiron, I think Andy Wallace is the guy that goes out at you in the way that Jonathan Palmer was for the original McLaren F1. Mm. And he's done the high-speed runs in the regular Chiron hasn't he i'm pretty sure he's yep. the, he's the guy that was in there setting that 300 mile an hour run that isn't a world record because they didn't do it there and back or, or whatever it was but um it actually
0: genuinely did do 300 miles an hour unlike some other supercars we could mention <laughs> but we're not for my channel i have picked one that's probably uh, slightly weird for us but it it's really fun there is an association, or there were two associations called the Historic Endurance Rallying Organization and ERA, which was the Endurance Rallying Association, they've now merged. These these are the um people who organize things like the Paris to Peking rally. And they do rallies all around the world for cars that are basically no newer normally than about 1965. So if you fancy driving a you know 1912 nash henderson thing with a ex messerschmitt engine across the mongolian desert these are the people that you talk to and people do they drive all sorts of absolutely bonkers things in places where they probably shouldn't and what they do is they film their adventures as they go and they will put up a multi-episode series for the you know like i say the the paris to peking paris peking peking to paris whichever way around it is um they do, just they do these these videos really well as as well because they're kind of slightly fly on the wall. They are looking at the event, so they're not following specific people or specific cars, but just sort of giving you a flavour of these mad people in these mad old cars driving through bits of basically every country you can imagine. So it will be you know Britain, Europe deepest you know through the deserts through north america through you know rough terrain roads doing time trials and all that rallying sort of stuff that people do um and it it's it's great dig through it find an event find a car they do clips of specific cars they do like say multi-series events around rallies it's something that i have never really come across before it's not something a world that i really know that well or that i follow that well and you start looking at the youtube channel and then you go to the website and you start going okay so if i buy a car that has to be early in 1965 and it has to be able to get from what year do they start making 911s? i could take a 911 to peking and you just fall completely down that rabbit hole it's ace <laughs>
1: one to look into. For my video selection, uh as I teased earlier on, I've chosen a lotus video as well. Uh this is an oldie but a goodie. This is a Lotus racing at Bathurst. And if you've ever watched some car videos on the internet, you've probably seen this where a guy starts a race consisting of, I think, lots and lots of Lotus elises at the Bathurst um famous circuit, and he starts at the back and by the end of the lap. In fact, before the end of the lap, he's at the front. <laughs> and the way he does it will have you cringing in your seat because <laughs> this is some close quarters racing. He, he, Gets kind of left behind on the simple stuff, easy big corners, big long straights. It's when they get to the mountain, the fiddly stuff, where he just mullers everybody else <laughs> in front of him goes for gaps that aren't there that as he gets into them become available. I, I mean, I'd love to see helicam shots of how this went down. I don't think they exist, but this is an onboard view from the driver of the car in question, Dean Evans. Uh, and the video is actually the full race. It's only 14 minutes long. It's absolutely worth watching. But the first... Two thirds of the lap, um, before he gets onto the Conrod Straight, are just some of the most exceptional racing you're ever going to see. I can't say any more than that, really. Just it won't take more than two minutes of your time to watch this, and <laughs> if you've not seen it, you must watch this. Just where he puts his car, and and how he doesn't end up driving through another Lotus (laughs) I don't know but it's clear I think he must have far more track knowledge or far more confidence particularly as they get to the top of the mountain Um, because he's picking off cars not one or two at a time but like four or five at a time (laughs) it's brilliant I cannot recommend this enough so yes Lotus Elise at Bathurst Um, this is from 2005 um, where they were supporting the Bathurst 1000 so it is filmed through a potato but it is still (laughs) worth watching and my channel of the week you know me i love a good build channel uh, and i've got into a v-tuned garage or v-tuned garage if you're in in the u.s uh, this is a very young guy who rebuilds cars um, the usual kind of bought from auction has been crashed is pretty much ruined uh, and he with very little help from the outside, takes them to pieces and rebuilds them. A lot of this is the the sort of American thing of being able to order all the parts and um, rebuilding things like crashed insurance wrecks seems to be slightly more um, a thing than in the UK. It's kind of frowned on in the UK, but it's fascinating to watch something like a McLaren 720 that's been both front and rear-ended get pulled to pieces to its down to its body shell so you can see exactly how it's all made and then start to be rebuilt again in this in this instance he's bought this 720s that's got actual um tub damage so they end up buying a replacement tub and doing a transplant from one tub to the other of all the pieces and it's just fascinating to watch he's not the most erudite of presenters he, he's very much uh, you know here's what we're doing uh, but the actual footage of him doing the stuff is i find quite riveting so he's in the middle of building a or re- fixing and rebuilding a mclaren 720s um i guess they're waiting for some parts at the moment because covid has made getting some parts tricky they have side they've diverted to a n- almost brand new f90 bmw m5 and again, just the fascination of seeing somebody pull apart the interior to pl- replace the curtain um, airbags. And you just get to see how stuff is made and how the, the sort of everything should be serviceable attitude from in, in the US is still a thing where other companies perhaps don't do that anymore. I really dug this. Like I say, he's not the most engaging your presenters. This is not Freddie Tavaro Hernandez who's really engaging or Tyler hoover or any of the others, um, or even Chris from BS for Build who are really engaging and able to communicate and um kind of give you backstory on this. That's not what this guy is about. He he's pretty much like, so we're gonna do this thing and we're gonna do this thing. And then cut to montage of them doing that thing. <laughs> what it's the the craftsmanship and the the sheer gung-ho, fuck it, let's give it a go <laughs> on display that I really admire. You know, this this guy, early 20s, and he's busy largely on his own dismantling a McLaren 720S with, I'm guessing, no workshop manual.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, it's really, really engaging if you like that kind of thing. So if you are into your builds or you do like seeing, you know, self-taught mechanics having a go, then give V-Tune Garage a look.
0: Also... Talking of rebuilding McLarens, we should talk about briefly Freddy's 675LT rebuild. If you don't follow Tavares' channel, you absolutely should, for the simple pleasure of seeing a rebuilt 675LT running as like a beach buggy. Rolling chassis with no bodywork. Yeah, which I, I always said, and do you remember when you and me went to the Porsche centre with Drivers Republic I do and they had the, the,
1: the Carrera GT which we weren't allowed to sit in but I did anyway <laughs> did you? I fi- yeah because I figured when else am I going to ch- get a chance to sit in a Carrera GT even if this one doesn't have half of the car
0: <laughs> <laughs> I always had this sort of idea in the back of my head that It's like I'd love to find like, a Cat catsy Carrera GT and take it to some engineering shop and go right take most of the bodywork off put like motorcycle fenders over the wheels, leave as much of like the engine as you can exposed, and then go for a drive. That's pretty much what,
1: yeah, that's pretty much what Freddie does. I must admit, I was so pleased to see his channel kind of spring back to life. He's not been very well recently, and, you know, it's taken a toll on his video output. Um, And so having his channel kind of spring back to delivering more videos on the McLaren rebuild, um, which Yes. Okay. It's taking longer than this Vtune 720S, but the 675LT is a far rarer car. And mm, I think yeah. his was in a far worse state in some instances. So I think it's, it's forgivable. And the fact that, you know, that he's not rushing through it in quite the same way from a video perspective. He's taking everyone on the journey of describing what they're doing and why. And, um, it's i just love watching this series so yeah again you know we've we've mentioned Tavarish tons on this channel but if you're not following along with that 675lt build just go and watch the time where he takes this thing out and then tries launch control without securing a fire <laughs> extinguisher first yeah some some lols there, but I think that brings us to the end of this Dax Shepard-heavy episode of the Auto Movie Podcast. Um, if you have seen Chips and you disagree with my somewhat not glowing review, then please do get in touch, <laughs> unless you're Dax Shepard, in which case I'm very sorry. I really like you on Top Gear America. <laughs> So if you, if you have enjoyed this episode and you want to shout about it, then please do tweet it out, subscribe and, and like and all that good stuff on your podcast repositories of choice. And we will be back, hopefully, in less than a month with the next episode where we can report back on some of the stuff we previewed at the start of the show. Until that time, I'm off to go and hop on a motorcycle and do some turndown whips.
0: <laughs> Until next time, everyone.